fun to watch. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfect. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome, welcome, welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast from our respective homes in the Washington, D.C. area. I'm Bobby Blanco, soon to be joined by Amy Jennings on the other side. Thank you so much for making us a part of your Thursday afternoon. We're into week two or three of uh, the new year, January 2021. Um, exciting time for sports. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're about a month away, actually, from pitchers and catchers reporting supposedly to uh, the baseball uh, spring training sites across America. And uh, for the Nationals, of course, that means West Palm Beach down in Florida. Uh, we're excited to see, hopefully, the possibility of the return of baseball coming up soon and get out of the cold and into the warm air. Uh, let's bring on Amy Jennings News. Of course, you can follow her on Twitter at that handle. And Amy, thanks so much for joining me again. It's good to see you. How are you, my friend? I'm not doing too bad. I'm all that talk about baseball being back pretty soon gets me pretty excited. I thought like when the NBA season came back, it seemed like there was hardly um, any off off season. But I think baseball is going to seem seem even less. I don't know why. It's I mean, but spring training is supposed to start on time. Of course, this season was pushed back, and I'm ready. Yeah, it's 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 crazy time. Um, it's crazy to think that today is uh, January 14th and usually February 14th, 15th, 16th. That's the kind of the area that teams target to start reporting to camp. You know, we saw uh, last week uh, the Washington football team season came to an end. Uh, and from those ashes rises another season tonight. The Capitals start their season. I'm wearing my Caps jersey if you're watching us on Facebook Live or on Twitter or on YouTube Live uh, at Mass and Nationals. Uh, and, and, of course, the Wizards season is already in progress, and we're just a month away from another season getting underway. Uh, it's a continuous cycle. It's exciting. It, this Obviously, there was a big break in 2020 in terms of no sports, but we're going to get a, an influx of sports in the coming uh, weeks with uh, hockey starting tonight, baseball already undergoing the NFL playoffs and then uh, hopefully baseball starting up again soon. That's right. And, uh, you know, it's been a slow off season. Things are just starting to to go down um, across Major League Baseball. But what we missed in our week away from the podcast, which the Nationals um, made another move and they signed Kyle Schwarber to a one year, 10 million deal. Bobby, what was your first reaction? I mean, my first reaction was, of course, this happened the day after we recorded our pod, our first podcast of 2021. I don't know about you, Amy, but I always feel like uh, whenever we do an episode or, or you know, as soon as we go off air or the day after uh, some news breaks. And of course, we recorded uh, last week, last on, on Friday and Saturday morning, the news breaks uh, that Kyle Schwarber is signing with the Nationals, a one year, $10 million deal. Um, it's, it's awesome. I think it's exciting. I think it's a name that a lot of, of course, Nationals fans and baseball fans know. We Everyone remembers him busting onto the scene in Chicago with the Cubs, uh, missing the entire 2016 season with that knee injury, but then coming back and having a strong postseason and helping the Cubs break that curse and win their first World Series in over 100 years or however many it was. So I think it's an exciting addition. Uh, he definitely brings power to the lineup. We're going to talk about in a little bit how much – uh, Kyle Schwarber uh, 
adds to the lineup where he could possibly slot in in terms of the batting order um, and where other players and the new additions will also fit and what other holes the Nationals will need to address uh, as the offseason continues to move along and we inch closer and closer to pitchers and catchers reporting. But, Amy, I, I thought it was exciting because it's a name that I think a lot of fans will recognize. Of course, we remember him when he was with the Cubs um, in, in the 2017 postseason um, and that exciting back and forth. He obviously has a relationship with Davey Martinez, which we'll hear from Kyle in just a little bit about him talking about his relationship uh, with Davey. But what was your first reaction waking up on Saturday and seeing the news that uh, Schwarber had signed that one-year deal? Well, it's exciting because they're, they're getting things going, but and they filled, we talked about last week, probably their biggest hole. You know, we know they needed to fill that hole in the outfield. Um, we weren't sure the type of... Is that your... Uh, <laughs> That's a fire alarm, Bobby. Is that really a fire alarm? Uh, yeah, so we'll give it a minute, but this would be um, just par for the course, Bobby. So um, 2021 is off to a great start, just like 2020. This is just what we expect. So we might have to give it to you. You might have to, to talk about Kyle Schwarber, what we like, what we don't like, and I'll have to have to get back to you. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Um, you know, I can carry on. We are live on uh, Facebook and, and Twitter. And, and Instagram All right, I'll be right too. back, Bobby. But we'll let Amy hang up real quick, and we'll get her, try to get her back on the line. Yeah, uh, Kyle Schwarber, I mean, you know, Again, like I was saying earlier, he is a interesting uh, name, and it's a name that a lot of fans, I think, will recognize uh, and will welcome. It, he, of course, brings that power, that power lefty bat that a lot of fans and baseball like to see. He could hit very well in Nationals Park. Taking a look at his career stats uh, in the time in Chicago, he hit uh, in 551 games, hit 230, hit 121 RBIs. The two, uh, sorry, home runs, the 279 RBIs with an OPS uh, just over 800, 816. So, you know, he brings a lot of pop to the, the Nationals lineup. And with the strong left handed bat, you know, we're looking at maybe the possibility of the beginnings of uh, the L.A. Dodgers East. You know, he, he, those old University of Maryland basketball teams with Lefty Drizel wanted to be the UCLA of the East. Uh, this could be the Do L.A. Dodgers of the East with all left-handed batters. Of course, Juan Soto um, and uh, uh Josh Bell coming in as a switch hitter, uh, you know, who else they could possibly add? You never know. That could be a possible left-handed bat. Uh, so, you know, it's it's we've seen this lineup for a long time be pretty balanced, uh, maybe even more heavily to the right-handed side, but now we're shifting over to left-handed side. Um, and there's a lot of questions about Kyle Schwarber's defense, his ability to play defense um, in, in the outfield. And um, he mentioned talking with uh, Davey, uh, talking with Kyle Schwarber over the weekend when he made his press conference, he mentioned his relationship uh, with Davey Martinez and how much Davey has played a huge factor in his growth as a baseball player, particularly in the outfield, with his glove. Take a listen. Davey was a huge uh, influence on me as a baseball because he was, he was got kind of the guy who was in the outfield with the, with the outfielders and uh, me being fr uh, freshly uh, taken away from catching him 15 in the big leagues and just going into left field. I had a lot of work with him and uh, he taught me a lot of things just about the outfield in general and just how to, uh, you know, be a good outfielder. And it took time. Don't get me wrong. Like, it, you know, it was it was a process out there in the outfit. And I was great to to be surrounded by Davey and uh, you know Jason Hayward, Howard Almora, uh, Ian Happ, all these great outfielders, and uh, the the just take their information and, and process it into myself and try to figure out um, 
you know, how to become a better outfielder. But trust me, me and Davey have plenty of, plenty of conversations, and I love him to death. Uh, I'm so excited to be playing for this guy. Uh, I know that he's just a, a, he's a baseball guy. He cares about his players. He loves winning. He only wants to win. And, um, you know, I mean, I think we all saw how much he loves. Uh, he's going to fight for his players and want to fight for a win at the end of the day in the 19 World Series when coming off freshly off that, uh, that, that uh, heart deal he had and getting thrown out. But, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, this is the perfect fit. Uh, I, I'm excited to be here and I, I'm excited to be playing for Davey and uh, going out there and uh, running around playing some left. There you heard it from Kyle Schwarber himself uh, talking about his relationship with Davey Martinez. Uh, and it was funny enough, he, he brought that up unprompted in his very first question uh, when talking to the media. I think it was our own Byron Kerr who asked him the first question. He Im- immediately uh, brought up his conversations with Davey Martinez and his relationship with him back in Chicago. So uh, the familiarity there is going to be a crucial part and a big reason of why Kyle Schwarber chose to come to the Nationals, as he just mentioned. And, and it'll be interesting to see how Davey works with him in the outfield and how he can improve as a as a fielder and as a defender um, and with that relationship being so well and, and so strong. You, you know, you, Kyle Schrober trusts him, trusts his baseball knowledge, obviously loves the fight that you see in Davey um, that he saw in the postseason uh, uh, back in 2019. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how Kyle and, and Davey work it out. We hope the power stays there, right? You know, he, he hit a bunch of home runs for a couple of seasons, um, topping 30 and almost reaching 30, I believe, between 26, uh, 20. 17, 18, and, uh, and 19, obviously, with a shorter season, he hit um, just a, a handful of 11. But uh, So it was, it's going to be interesting to see how, how Kyle and Davey work together. I know a lot of concerns out there in the Nationals fan base um, are, are the defensive side of the ball, but be sure to comment along on, on Facebook and on YouTube uh, with your thoughts on the Kyle Schwarber uh, signing and where you think, how you think he adds uh, to this Nationals lineup. Does he add more is, he, is his offensive uh, potential bring more than his maybe defensive downside? Are you comfortable with that? Or do you think that he can pick up the defensive slack uh, and and become a really better overall uh, all-around player for the Nationals moving forward? I think we've got Amy Jennings back. I think the fire alarm went off in her own uh, apartment building. Amy, how are we doing over there? We're good. It's off. I'm back. We were talking about bad timing. Of course, it has to happen. You know, um, who knows what what uh, 2021 is going to throw at us. But thanks for taking over, Bobby. And I'm just going to echo exactly what you said. Um, it, that connection with Davey Martinez is great. It kind of has a similar feel to um, Starling Castro just a year ago. Uh, we saw that they had that relationship. I'm sure that was part of why he's headed to D.C. And same thing with Kyle Schwarber now. Um, I, I would imagine that can only help. And you heard it there right there um, from him himself. But last week I was talking about my wish list and how I was hoping they wouldn't um, sacrifice um, a a good defensive outfielder for a big bat. Um, Kyle Schwarber's bat is going to add a lot of power to this lineup. It's it's great that lefty bat's going to only improve this lineup that had some holes that they needed to fill. Um, But his his defensive ability does concern me. He has a negative ultimate zone rating. Um, Isn't the best 
outfielder um, defensively available, but just like you said, he brings a big bat. And if he's in his 2019 form, the middle of that lineup um, with him and, of course, Josh Bell bring a lot of power and Juan Soto. Those are all guys who could have um, 30 plus home run seasons, um, which is great for that Nationals lineup. Yeah, I definitely agree. And we're going to talk about the power and where he could slide into that Nationals lineup. But let me pose the question to you, like I just posed our viewers and listeners. Does his offensive potential outweigh maybe the defensive struggles he could see in the corner outfielder? We project him to be a left fielder, of course, moving Juan Soto over to right. But do you, would you be comfortable if you're taking maybe a step or two back on the defensive side of the ball uh, and, and left field, assuming that... Victor Robles and Juan Soto are back to their gold gold glove caliber defense. Are you comfortable with maybe the uh, offensive boom that Kyle Schwarber can bring to the plate while also maybe sacrificing some defense? Well, Bobby, I guess we'll see, right? I mean, my thing was the Nationals, they needed to improve defensively. They had the worst rated ranked defense in the National League and they needed to improve defensively. even when Juan Soto had his was a Gold Glove finalist, if you really look at his numbers and, and you watched him, he had some some shaky innings out there. And moving him to right field, we don't. I mean, he says he's more comfortable. He grew up playing in right field. Um, just hearing that 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 move's going to happen makes me nervous. But he's more comfortable, so that is a good thing. Um, but I guess we'll see. He's not. T- I mean, he's not. Kyle Schwarber's not awful in the outfield by any means, or obviously they wouldn't have signed him, right? Um, but we'll see how much he adds to this lineup. I don't know that they they had to get another power bat because they have Josh Bell, because they have Juan Soto, because who knows, Trey Turner can hit him out here and there, but he, but he, but he only helps. Um, now, and we'll get into it even more, uh, what they need is, is a guy that kind of like Adam Eaton, who makes contact often, who gets on base, who can run um, versus more power because now the middle of their lineup is pretty stacked if these two guys in Kyle Schwarber and Josh Bell are in their 2019 form. They both struggled in 2020, just like you said. We got them a little bit cheaper um, for just, you know, not highly rated prospects and only a $10 million deal. Um but we'll see. We'll see how it turns out, and hopefully, it's not too much of a defensive defensive sacrifice. And the bat is worth it. But we'll see. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think you know, going through the numbers, I saw a lot of Chicago reporters posting on Saturday. Uh, you know, of course, this signing affects them as well, uh, fans in Chicago. But a lot of them were saying that Kyle Schwarber's defense isn't as bad as maybe his reputation says it is uh there was I, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me but the general gist of it was that his uh, ultimate zone rating out in left field for over the past three years has actually ranked in the top three in uh in all of baseball so that's pretty incredible and, and you know he's defensive metrics and in, in, in terms of statistics like war uh, and overall rating are on the negative side his his defensive or um, war definitely brings down his overall war while his offensive is, is up high, pretty high. I think over seven. Uh, but you know, it depends on what metric you're looking at. It's there's, there's some bad, but there's also some not that bad, maybe even good. So you're kind of getting a mixed bag possibly with Kyle Schwarber uh, in left field defensively. And like we just said, if the offense is there, if he's hitting three 30, to 35 home runs or more, uh, if he's driving in 90 runs a season, you might be able to take that. We said that the same thing with Juan Soto when he first came up in 2018. You know, he's a natural right fielder playing left field for the first time at the major league level. 
His glove isn't going to be there at all times, but look what he's doing at the plate. I think we can get by with that. And, of course, this team has other issues they need to address first before. It's not all on Kyle Schwarber. You know, the Kyle Schwarber is not going to be the reason this team finishes in last place. It's a team game. So I think you can possibly get by with the base value maybe uh, of his reputation also preceding him as a negative defender. Uh, But with the upside of it, you know, he might be better than some of the numbers might suggest, at least maybe according to certain statistics. That's exactly what I was going to say, Bobby, because it's the same thing. It can be easily overlooked with Juan Soto because he has that bat, um, won a batting title, but what didn't end up finishing in the top three in MVP voting. And that's exactly what we talked about when we broke it down. We think that could have been because of his defensive numbers, but it's so easy to overlook that because of his bat, because of how crazy good he is at the plate. And we're hoping we see the same thing from Kyle Schwarber in, in, in 2021. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, We've kind of teased it, and, and we're, we're, that's kind of the main portion of our uh, of our conversation here. Let's move on to where he actually does fit into this lineup, and don't forget the additions of Josh Bell uh, um, back on, on Christmas Eve. So we have got a couple of new faces to add to this lineup, but Amy, before we do that and get started, let's look back at the lineups that the Nationals trotted out in last year. I'm going to put up a graphic of um, their 2020 opening day lineup, and from here, let's kind of just poke some holes and see who are coming back. Obviously, Trey Turner starting at shortstop. Adam Eaton, right field, that's a glaring hole that is now filled by Kyle Schwarber. That, that right field slot, maybe even the number two batting slot, is taken over by Juan Soto. Starling Castro is, should return healthy with his broken wrist. Uh, maybe your opening day starting second baseman. Uh, Howie Kendrick, of course, the DH, we're not quite sure, but we're anticipating there's not going to be a DH uh, in the National League this year. But Howie Kendrick, of course, retired. Eric Thames signed with the Japanese League uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Kurt Suzuki, not back. That spot at catcher will be finished by, uh, filled by Jan Gomes as of right now. Astrubal Cabrera gone at third base. That third base opening day could be Carter Keyboom, could be somebody else. Uh, and left field, Andrew Stevens. And I remember opening day, Juan Soto had that, what we now think was a false positive of COVID-19, was not able to play in the first handful of games for the Nationals. So Andrew Stevenson got that start in left field. And to round it all off is Victor Robles in center. Uh, so the glaring holes here, Amy, for me, obviously right field, Adam Eaton no longer here. Howie Kendrick, there's not going to be a DH. First base, Josh Bell will be right there. Kurt Suzuki is going to be replaced by Jan Gomes. Um, and as Drupal Cabrera at third base, probably going to be uh, Carter Keeboom or maybe somebody else. We saw that uh, over the weekend, the Nationals also had maybe interest in trading for a certain Reds third baseman. Um, and Andrew Stevenson going to be replaced by uh, Kyle Schwarber in left field. Just looking at that briefly, real quick, I mean, where would you slot Kyle Schwarber immediately? I mean, I know it's different. We're going to take a look at how the Nats finished their uh, season in terms of lineup in just a second. But where would you initially think Kyle Schwarber slots in? Well, right now, I would imagine he's going to be in in that cleanup spot just because we know Trey Turner had his breakout season hitting leadoff. I don't think... You know, to start the season, you're going to play around too much with that. Juan Soto bumped up to that two hole because he's your best hitter. You want him to get the most at bats as possible. Um, I imagine Josh Bell will be hitting in the three hole and then Kyle Schwarber cleanup. But of course, you know, we just talked about it. They're missing that Adam Eaton kind of guy that you can hit at the top of the lineup. 
um, gets on base, makes contact often. Um, you might see you might see Starlin Castro move up to that role. You might see Turner still lead off Starlin Castro fit into that two hole. Um, then that bumps everybody down. You have Juan Soto, your best hitter, hitting in the three hole, which is how it's kind of always been. Josh Bell clean up, and then that bumps Kyle Schwarber down. Um, um, into the five hole. Um, he's he's hit the most games, hitting sixth in the lineup, 112 games of his career. But he's also let off. He let off for Joe Madden, 98 games he's let off. Obviously not your typical leadoff hitter, and that's not where he'll slot into this to this Nationals lineup at all. So right now, I imagine to start the season, he'll be in that cleanup spot. Um, what do you think, Bobby? Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I'm going to take a look at a potential lineup in just a second, Amy. Um, but just for also reference sake, guys who finished the season in 2020 in the lineup, uh, looking at their season finale against the Mets, of course, they blew out the Mets on that last Sunday of the regular season to end up tying for last place. Uh, Andrew Stevenson moved up to the the leadoff spot. Now, that's an interesting guy uh, in terms of leading off uh, because I, I, I don't think – Barring injury or anything else crazy happening, I don't think Andrew Stevenson is going to be your, your opening day starting outfielder at any any spot. I think he'll make the roster because of his strong season, but I don't think he'll end up starting, again, barring an injury or anything. But keep in mind, he bat, he bet leadoff in seven games last year and hit 370 with uh, two home runs and seven RBIs. He He's comfortable up there, so that's an interesting aspect. But then you look down, Yada Hernandez probably will not be on the team anymore um, and no longer DH. Uh, we talked about Jan Gomes being in there, first base being filled. It's, it's Luis Garcia is also another name that kind of puts this lineup into – uh, up in the air, so to, I guess, because if he's going to be the opening day second baseman, that means Starlin Castro possibly moved over to third or isn't ready, um, or maybe Luis Garcia outplayed him. Wh- who knows? I mean, I don't think you're paying that much money to Starlin Castro just to bench him, but I think Luis Garcia can has a definitely has an impact on this lineup, at least in terms of who's going to be on the field for opening on opening day. Um, we know, we know Schwarber, we know Josh Bell is going to be added in here somewhere. So let's now look at a potential lineup for 2021. And this is kind of going off of what we saw from Mark Zuckerman on MassInSports.com. He kind of tossed around this idea earlier in the week. You got Trey Turner leading off, shortstop, Juan Soto in right, batting second, Josh Bell batting first, uh, uh, sorry, batting Third, hitting, uh, playing first base. Kyle Schwarber in the cleanup and left, just kind of like you laid it out, Amy. Stalin Castro second. Jan Gomes at catcher. Carter Cuban possibly at third. Uh, and Victor Robles in center. Now, again, the, Luis Garcia could throw a wrench in here. You might see Luis Garcia be uh, at second base and Castro moving to third. Uh, and maybe you just slide in Luis Garcia, maybe where Carter Cuban is right now. But that remains to be seen. Let's just talk about the new guys that are here. This lineup works for me, Amy. I mean, I, I think it's it has some flaws. You know, I, you got right, left, switch, left, right, 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 uh, all the way down the line. But I think this lineup could work. I would make maybe one tweak in terms of maybe not batting Trey Turner to lead off and maybe trying to go find another lead off hitter and bumping everybody down one. Uh, and of course, that's going to knock somebody out of that lineup. Um, Possibly Carter Keboom, maybe a, sh- uh, a true third baseman. Uh, what do you think of the possibility of that? Or, or how do you like that kind of addition of bumping everybody down and adding a true leadoff hitter? 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's completely an option, Bobby, because then you have your best hitter, your best average hitter in the three hole, and then you come with with your power in Josh Bell in cleanup. It lengthens your lineup. Um and it's kind of traditionally how how lineups have been laid out. But, you know, as we see analytics kind of take over, you see players like Juan Soto, you see players like Aaron Judge hitting higher up in the lineup than you would expect just because they have the chance of getting that extra at bat. Plus, then if you lead off, you lead off Trey Turner, he gets on base, and then you come with a left-handed batter. That opens up, they're holding Trey Turner on, right? So it opens up that whole side of the field. Plus, you have a left-handed batter at the plate. Uh, the catcher's not likely to go to first because you're you're blocking his view to first base because it's a left-handed batter. I, I like that. And you're getting Juan Soto, that extra potential for an extra at-bat if you, if you hit him in that two-hole. But you could also bump everybody down. If you get a leadoff guy, um, if if it stands, um, if if this is what we have to work with, I think the lineup that you just put up is something very similar to what we would see opening day. But let's say they do go out there and get a leadoff guy, then you could bump everybody down. And I think that's that's definitely an option. I like Juan Soto in that three hole and I like Josh Bell Schwarber bumping down, um, bumping down a spot. But but we don't know what we have to work with. We don't know what they're going to do. We don't know if a Carter Keyboom is still still the guy at their base. It seems it's looking that way, but we're not exactly sure what they're going to do. Um, and just I, it was 2019, I believe that um, Davy Martinez was was really thinking about Victor Robles in that leadoff spot, and he has the makeup, he has the potential to be a leadoff hitter. We just haven't seen any type of production from him. And obviously, they're not going to try that out on opening day. We're not going to see him in that leadoff spot. But let's say he comes out and has a great start to 2021 proves himself I think you could see him at the top of that lineup obviously this this could be far-fetched especially from what we've seen from Victor Robles at the plate but let's say he lives up to his potential comes out proves himself we could see him in that leadoff spot and then everybody bumping down Bobby yeah I mean Victor Robles is a good point too I think people forget that you know he was once projected to be the leadoff hitter right here I I think right there what happens there in that scenario Amy is that if Victor is going to be your leadoff hitter then you keep Juan Soto at uh, batting second, and you move Trey Turner to third, uh, not third base, but batting third. Um, And that's something that Mark Zuckerman has also tossed around the idea. He likes the idea of Trey Turner moving down the line. Look at the offensive numbers he just put up this season. He finished seventh in National League MVP voting. He had a career year, and we talked about last year, I mean, last week, excuse me, um, if this is going to be the new and improved Trey Turner that we see on a yearly basis. If so, you probably don't want him batting leadoff or maybe even second. You want him batting with guys on base uh, and driving in runs, and you want to get more and more at bat, so you probably wouldn't want to drop him any further than third, and you don't want him batting leadoff. And then you got the righty, lefty, righty that we know uh, that David Martinez likes to implement in his lineup. So you'll have a right-handed batter in Victor Robles leading off, left-handed in Juan Soto, and then Trey Turner uh, um, batting third, another right-handed hitter. And you can maybe put Josh Bell behind him, a switch hitter, or Kyle Schwarber, a left-handed hitter, and then Josh Bell behind him. So that adds an interesting aspect. We, we'll have to wait and see. Of course, like I said, Victor Robles was once projected as a typical leadoff hitter, and we haven't seen that from him yet. Um, we know Davey likes him now at the bottom of the lineup being kind of a flip-the-order kind of leadoff hitter um, in terms of him batting ninth. We've also seen him bat you know, behind the starting pitcher. Right. That's Well, that's what I was going to say, kind of not having a DH throws things off because we know that the Nationals have to get their pitcher in there. Um, and 
yeah, do so let's say you you hit your pitcher eighth and then you have Victor Robles at the bottom of your order to 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 flip it over. Um that's an option, but that's that's another thing that we've talked about a lot on this podcast is not having the DH changes things a lot and we know that this Nationals lineup as it stands right now does drop off a bit after, you know, that graphic that you put up the potential 21 opening 2021 opening day starting lineup. Um, after Starling Castro, it drops off in Carter Keboom and Victor Robles and Jan Gomes. Um, and then you have to you have to get your pitcher in there somewhere. So that's kind of a concern, I would imagine. National League teams have been doing it forever. You have to work your pitcher in there somewhere. But that adds an extra layer, an extra downfall um, to, to the bottom of that order body. Right. And, and th- these graphics and these projected or potential lineups, I should say, are going on the assumption that the pitcher is batting ninth uh, and there's not a DH, of course. Um, but like we just mentioned, Davey does have kind of a knack of sometimes batting him eighth and having Victor bat behind him. So that's, of course, up in the air as well. But let's just kind of focus on the position players that we know are going to be in the lineup and just mm-hmm. assume that uh, the pitcher is batting ninth in these in these potential lineups. Back to my leadoff uh, 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 opinion, uh, Amy, you know, I – I look back look back at 2019, you know, the World Series were run. That lineup, what well, it was fueled by and started by Adam Eaton batting leadoff. And, you know, so I, I think Trey Turner's well, Trey Turner batted leadoff a lot more too. But I, I think Trey Turner he's done both, right? We we've seen him done do both, um, and being able to uh bat either leadoff or bat second, uh and, and you know, with a guy on base. It just depends on what Davey Martinez and Mike Rizzo are going to value. Do, are they going to value Trey Turner's on-base capabilities, drawing walks, getting hit by pitches? We know he gets hit by pitches a lot. So does Victor Robles. Um, or are they going to value maybe now his potential run-driving-in capabilities that we just showed in 2020? And if that's the case, do you go after another leadoff hitter to slot in at possibly third or second base um, because your outfield is set? Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. Again, we're a month away, possibly from pitchers and catchers reporting. The names out there right now, Amy, that you could possibly look at. I mean, I mentioned the Reds' third baseman, uh, AUA Neo uh, Suarez. Uh, he, you know, he is a career leadoff hitter. Uh, he batted leadoff uh, for the Reds this year, um, uh, not too often, but it has a lot in his career. Uh, and then, of course, the other big name is DJ LeMahieu. You know, of course, led the American League in so many categories this year. Uh, won the batting title in the American League. Uh, he is a true, true leadoff hitter. He hit leadoff every single game he played in this year for the Yankees. Um, and hit over 300. We know the numbers. So, is that someone that they go after, or maybe do you go someone with a you know maybe on the cheaper side, a Colton Wong, uh, Tony Larus? Uh, Sorry, Tommy Lastella, who played for the A's and Angels this past season. So it'll be interesting to see how maybe the leadoff market uh, kind of uh, – you, you don't mm-hmm. typically think about the leadoff hitter as a market. You think of position by position um, or power bad versus on base. But who, who's the typical leadoff guy? See, it'll be interesting to see how those kind of names fl- uh, fly around uh, over the next couple of weeks and if the Nationals maybe go try to pounce on someone in order to push everybody down – and kind of count on Soto, uh, Trey Turner, Kyle Schwarber, and Josh Bell getting more and more at-bats with guys on base. 
Well, and here's the thing is we know that the Nationals are prioritizing offense over defense in this offseason. So it wouldn't surprise me if they went went out there and instead of going after, just like you said, position by position, they go after a guy who who can um, hit at the top of this lineup. That wouldn't surprise me. We know that they're prioritizing offense. And here's the thing is now they got their power bats in the middle of the lineup that gives them that gives them some freedom uh last season you couldn't i mean they were trying to manufacture runs as much as they could played around with where trey turner was hitting is he going to be the production for Juan soto no you have to lead him off because he gets on base nobody else can get on base um but once you have that power and let's say you go after a guy who can hit at the top of the lineup that gives davy martinez a lot more freedom to play around with trey turner what are you valuing his his ability to get on base his ability to drive in runs um that gives you more freedom but it's like last year we thought when they signed Eric Thames and they had Howie Kendrick back, we thought those guys were going to be the power of the lineup, right? Mm-hmm. And they didn't they didn't produce and then we were left they were left with literally just Trey Turner and Juan Soto. Um, and that doesn't really give you a whole lot of freedom. Um, but it, it, Tommy Listella is just like you mentioned, is a name I've seen thrown around with the Nationals a little bit. Um, he has the ability to hit the top of the lineup. But I think if they're prioritizing offense and they go, they keep going with this pattern, they're going, that's that's what's next on their list. They need an Adam Eaton kind of guy who can hit up there, who can get on base. And then it allows Davey Martinez to play around with the lineup a little bit. Are you hitting Juan Soto in the two hole? Is Trey Turner his pr- protection or do you shift everybody down? Does Trey Turner still still lead off? And then you have, um, you know, a, another that whoever you go after hitting the two hole, bump Starling, cash up. There's a lot of more options now that you have the power in the middle of your lineup um, and, and some support for uh, Juan Soto and Trey Turner, Bobby. Yeah, uh, Tommy Lestella, uh, as of last year, with the split between the A's and uh, the Angels, uh, batting first, had a, had a three sixty one on-base percentage, and that's kind of a, a good ballpark to be in if you're a leadoff hitter. And, and, uh, it was only 17 games. He batted second in 24 games, but you know he's a guy that's used to hitting on the top of the order um, and getting on base. And so if that's what you're looking for and you want Trey Turner, who can also get on base, to possibly have someone in scoring position when his first at bat or even get on base and add more potential runners for a Juan Soto, Kyle Schrober. That's probably the ideal uh, mashup for, for David Martinez, the ideal lineup. You know, we know Trey Turner can hit leadoff, uh, but if his offensive production from 2020 is any indication as what he's going to become or be for the long term, then I, you would want maybe to bump him down to second and, and trade or excuse me, Juan Soto to third or flip flop, whatever it may be. So they're getting more at bats with runners on with more chances of scoring. That's we know how that's how Dave Martinez likes to manufacture his lineups. Right. And you want you want to still want a guy in the two hole that gives you the ability to play some some small ball can can bun a guy over that kind of thing, um, which is why Trey Turner is a better fit there. And you bump Juan Soto down. But just like you said, you see you see often um, your best hitter now hitting in that that two hole spot. Uh, you see it across the league, which is why I would imagine opening day they're going to slot Juan Soto in there no matter what. Yeah, I, I agree. And just looking at through some comments uh, on our Facebook, on Massa Nationals Facebook page, um, 
you know, <laughs> go Cavs by Tony Dillon. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, Stephen Phillips doesn't think this swings the needle. They need uh, the pitchers to achieve better. And that's another aspect to this, too. We're talking about guys, Amy, that uh, the, the Mike Rizzo could go after to add to the lineup. Well, he's added two pats to the lineup already. We still haven't seen who's going to be the fourth starter or maybe even the fifth starter uh, for the Nationals and, and what's going on with the bullpen, too. So don't forget, they also need to add arms to this roster as well before training camp opens up uh, in, in a month or so. Uh, so the, I mean, it's 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 fun to talk about the additions to the lineup and it, what more could they could add to really make this a powerful and, and imposing kind of lineup or more complete all around. But don't forget, they also need to add arms too, and that's got to be at the top of the Mike Rizzo's list as well. Um, what else? We we need a catcher and to spell good. They need a backup catcher as well. Uh, there's there's a lot more at play here than just adding another leadoff hitter. Uh, you know, in an ideal world. Right. They need bullpen help and um, they have so, they just have that's and that's why, again, I'm so surprised that they're pr- prioritizing offense, not just because their defense needs a lot of help, but because they have so much money tied up in their top three pitchers, ninety four million dollars tied up in Scherzer, Straws and Corbin in 2021. Um, and they're not giving them any help on um, the on defense and then we also know they have to add a number four starter just like you said they need bullpen help they need a catcher (laughs) and um you know pending ryan zimmerman coming back they're going to need a backup first baseman um so a lot of holes still to fill which is why i'm surprised they're they're prioritizing offense so much but definitely made some big audition um auditions additions um to that lineup well, they need people to audition too. You know, you can't just walk in here and, and expect right. to have a lineup. Uh, we, we know we saw Corey Kluber have an audition Wins. the other day, and we know the Nationals attended that. So that could be your arm potentially for the fourth spot. There you go. There you go, Bobby. Uh, When's your audition? Oh, my audition happened a long, long time ago. I think the last time I auditioned, I was in fourth grade, and it did not go very well. For the musical. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So that, that was a fun exercise. Of course, be sure to comment along and stay tuned on MassInSports.com and all Mass Nationals uh, Twitter accounts, uh, social media accounts, and let us know what you think. Before we get out of here, another thing of note, Amy, is that tomorrow, Friday at 1 p.m., is the arbitration uh, deadline uh, for players and teams to come together on salaries for 2021 for those who are arbitration eligible. The Nationals and Joe Ross have already agreed on a one-year $1.5 million contract for 2021. We've mentioned it on the podcast before. It's basically the same amount of money he would have earned uh, in 2020 had he played. Um, but there are three big names and three names that we just mentioned a bunch in that conversation that are looking to lock up deals. I shouldn't say deals because that probably confuses people, but lock up their contracts uh, um, number figures for 2021. Juan Soto, Trey Turner, and now Josh Bell. Uh, you know, it's a crazy time. The arbitration is going to be more confusing and crazier than it ever has. For those who don't know, uh, players with at least th- a minimum of three major league years of experience are able to then go to arbitration and basically uh, argue for their own salaries for the next three years before they hit free agency. Um Juan Soto reached Super 2 status, which means he hit it uh, an extra year early because the Nationals brought him up in May of 2018, which was there's there's a, a deadline for that. This also plays in the factor of uh, the Chris Bryant uh, miscontent or malcontent with uh, the Cubs organization. But Juan Soto, Trey Turner, Josh Bell, 
Amy, typically we see solid projections from MLBTradeRumors.com, uh, and, and they're usually almost always on the nose of how these players will how much money they'll earn on any given year. But of course, with the short and 2020 season, 2021 season still up in the air. Uh, and we've seen numbers fluctuate, not just on the dollar signs, but on the statistical side as well. It could be a confusing time, um, an interesting time uh, leading up to one o'clock tomorrow afternoon to see if the right. nationals are able to come to terms with these three players, or if they're going to have to go through the arbitration process and possibly a hearing uh, later in late February. Well, it's tough because 2021, only a six, excuse me, 2020, only a 60 game season. Um, How much value are you putting into that? Um, If you look at Trey Turner and Juan Soto, they both had great 2020 seasons. Um, And you would imagine you're going to see a big jump in their pay and Josh Bell, not so much. Um, He'll, of course, get get a raise, but he didn't have a great 2020. So you won't see that. But maybe they won't value that as much. Um and you know revert back to 2019 it makes things really really complicated especially considering the seasons that Juan Soto and Trey Turner had um and then on top of that Juan Soto's a Scott Boris guy so that throws another wrench um into the into the game so it'll be interesting um you see exactly just like you said the projections you're not seeing them as much this year because everything is is so complex because of the 2020 shortened season um but um, what was I going to say? I forget, Bobby. Well, you um, mentioned uh, you mentioned uh, Scott Boris. Josh Bell is also a Scott Boris guy, and I know that he ha- had a had a down year statistically. But you know, you're not going to get you're not going to go to arbitration without a fight from Scott Boris um, and, and try to get as much money, every dime and penny that he can get out of you for his clients. So just because he had a down year doesn't mean that he might, he's not going to get a significant pay raise. It's not going to be through the roof. Like we're going to see with Turner and Soto, but it's going to be something. And he's Well, he's going to be arguing um, opposite ends of the spectrum for those two guys. You're going to say 2020 was the year Juan Soto, you know, he deserves this. Whereas Josh Bell, you're going to say 2020, not that important. Let's look back at his 2019 stats, Bobby. Yeah. Well, just to run through the numbers real quick, I flashed some of them on the screen for those watching along live. But starting with Juan Soto, this is a pretty big jump. I mean, he only earned like over $600,000 this past season. Um, but he's going to look at a significant pay raise, $4.5 million. Now, also, I should actually preface this by saying MLB Trade Rumors broke it down in three categories, right? The first number is based on the stats on, a, on the 60-game season, just straight 60 games. The next number would extrapolate those statistics over a 162-game season and what that could mean for the individual player. And then the third one is for first non uh, non-first-time eligible players, so those who are not going through this process for the first time, and it would determine their raise uh, from a full season and give them 37% of it. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, for Juan Soto, uh, 160 game, oh, sorry, a 60-game season number was $4.5 million, again, jumping up from $600,000 just about. Um, uh, if you extrapolate his numbers over a 162-game season, they project him getting $8.5 million, um, which pretty much almost doubles what his uh, you know 60 game season production would have cost and then um first time el- he's a first time eligible guy so this the third number is the same as the first four and a half million but that's a pretty big jump from six hundred thousand dollars to between four and a half and eight and a half million yeah no matter what he's he's about to get a payday and i'm looking at mark zuckerman's article about this process um from today and cody bellinger holds holds the um 
the title for the for the most the largest salary for a first year arbitration eligible player at eleven and a half million. And Mark Zuckerman said um, maybe Scott Boris will argue that Juan Soto deserves even more than that. He deserves the record setting salary. I don't think that will happen just because he only played in forty seven games this season. And of course, it was only a sixty game season. But you never know. He won that batting title, and we know what he's capable of. So it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. Deadline is Friday, um, and and it might take to then to reach an agreement well the biggest uh difference i think is looking at numbers at least according to mlb trade rumors is trey turner you know for just a 60 game season 9.4 million dollars um but over a 162 game season of course the we know the offensive outbreak that he had uh in 2020 and if if that were a true 162 game season now they're looking at over 15 million dollars 16.6 million dollars coming from what his previous salary i mean that's a huge jump uh obviously playing shortstop at a high level helps the offensive numbers career numbers that he put up helps um and then uh, taking that number and giving him 37% would only be $10.8 million. But that's a significant jump. Trey Turner, not a Scott Boris guy. The only one of these three that's not a Scott Boris guy. But you don't. his agency is not going to just roll over and, and you know give the Nationals the bare minimum. They're going to try to get uh, a fair amount for Trey Turner, a guy that they're hoping they can also maybe sign long term. Right. He had a breakout season this year. We're going to see... We're going to see the Nationals in talks with him if they aren't already about signing him long term, uh, and you're going to see you're going to see a jump for him this year, Bobby. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Amy, really appreciate you hopping on. Be sure for those who listen, or be sure to follow along with the arbitration process tomorrow. Uh, One o'clock is the deadline. Uh, MassinSports.com. Mark Zuckerman and Byron Kerr will have you covered there. Of course, at Masson Nationals on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, we'll have all the breaking news for you on your social media feeds as well. At Amy Jennings News for Amy, be sure to give her a follow. Uh, she's great follow and she's a great co-host and even though we went through a little bit of a, a rough patch at the beginning of the episode <laughs> with the fire alarm i'm glad you're all safe and uh, everything nothing's harmed over there and uh, uh thanks so much for chatting with me yeah thank you bobby all right well that's gonna do it for this week's mass and all access podcast if you missed any part of the podcast and you tuned in uh at the end of the show be sure to check us out on apple podcast spotify google podcast soundcloud wherever you find podcasts you can find the mass and all access podcast um and subscribe rate review give us um, a follow and spread the word we really appreciate you all tuning in um and spreading the good word for the mass and all access podcast for Amy, I'm Bobby Blanco. You can give me a follow at Bobby underscore Blanco on Twitter. Hit me up. Uh, I'll be tweeting along all afternoon tomorrow uh, in terms of if we get any of those arbitration numbers figured out between Soto, Turner, and Bell. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll catch you next time.